Hello and welcome to the Alternative Path. I've got a guest on this week who I connected with on LinkedIn, I had a couple of messages through LinkedIn and really, really pleased to get him on today. So the guest this week is James Lowe. Now, James Lowe is the Director of Ed Start Specialist Education and the Director of Next Level Learning. They're based near Manchester. James, great to have you on. Just start by uh, giving us a bit of intro to who you are. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, so I'm James Lowe, and, and as, as you've mentioned there, director of uh, two organisations, Head Start Specialist Education and, um, and Next Level Learning. Um, we started working in the sector, um, alternative provision sector, 2010, um, and opened our doors in South Manchester, um, working with a handful of schools there. And then between then and now, um, we've moved to uh, seven sites. We're currently working in with the eighth soon to be signed off um, and develop next level learning along the journey as well, which is more of um, a program with specialist tuition going out to young people that couldn't make it into our centres for one reason or another. And then as the tuition, um, the usage of tutors has, has grown over the years, um, certainly I've seen that. Um, schools using tutors more and more often. We've we've now found ourselves going into schools a lot more and supporting, and particularly on the back of the uh, the pandemic. Yeah, um, like you say, the use of tutors in schools is something that's massively, massively growing, and tutors outside of school. So obviously, I know we've had a, a brief conversation, but I'm really keen to know, sort of, almost go back to the beginning to begin with of, of Ed Start Specialist Education and how it how it came about for you personally from making the transition from what you were doing at the time to creating um, what is now an established education provider. Yeah, really organic. Um, it was, uh, it, we've got to this point today. I think if you'd have asked us um, 12, 11, 12 years ago, where we will see it, uh, I certainly wouldn't have seen it where it is today and the growth that we've had and the, and, and what I think is a pretty decent reputation across greater Manchester and beyond. Um, so really, I came into that from a teaching background in, I was teaching post-16 sport in a, in a college local to us. Um, and my good friend, um, Chris Irwin, had worked um, in some schools providing uh, sports coaching, providing some baby support, and really got me on board um, to... Um, to have us open our first centre in 2010, which is when the this this part of um, it's when that service then became a start specialist education and, and turned into what it is today, really. And the story is quite funny, and I, I don't mind telling people about it. It's um, we we had Ofsted in. We were were past the number of pupils that we were allowed to have without being a registered school, so we'd reached that threshold. Um, had to register as an independent school, and um, Ofsted came in, I'll never forget that the, the gentleman, Declan, his name was the HMI, he was a, a brilliant guy. He came in, walked straight through the door. Um, so like, how did I get in here without being checked? Who do you know I am? I was like, kind of point, well, we kind of know who comes in the building and we're expecting Ofsted to come today. So <laughs> we know who you are. Uh, and his first question on the back of that was, who's your head teacher? So Chris and I are looking at each other um, and I can put my hand up first. I said, I love that one. So from that point on, I became a head teacher and uh, 
quickly um, updating profiles on social media and things and telling people everywhere I went, I'm a head teacher and showing them on Google and things. So I was very proud of that <laughs> 10, 11 years ago, thrust into a headship of a, of a albeit a very small school, a very small school, but it was a massive learning curve. Um, we'd had um, a real interest in working with young people in, in, in a city, Manchester, and working with young people who needed, really, before we kind of even thought about alternative provision when we were teaching in college, um, people who needed an alternative curriculum within the framework that we were given or the qualifications we were teaching. So looking at different ways of allowing them to achieve. So it's always been something that we, we'd held close to our heart and then it developed into our own alternative provision and then um, into the independent school, which is, is now um, over the past two, three years, really tapping into the special educational needs sector and young people with the HCPs as we've developed over the last three, four years, um, a special educational needs team with uh, our own SENCOs now in place and a head teacher that's got a, re a new head teacher that's no longer in, I'm no longer in position. Um, a head teacher that's got a real background in special educational needs and, and um, child and adolescent mental health. So we've got a real strong team there that's equipped to now support young people and be the chosen school um, within their EHCP. So it's really evolved. I'm very proud of where it's come. I'm very proud of um, all the work that's gone in over the last over the last few years. And when Chris is with us as a, as a proprietor as well, um, the things that we achieved together in those years and then where we see it going now as we, as we move into a new borough, um, Hopefully, over the next few months. One of the one of the interesting things you touched on there is, and I think with whether you're a school or a a, a recruitment agency or, or whatever you are, the fact you've grown organically is, um, is is quite important. I do think that makes any organisation much stronger and much more stable, if that's the right word to use. And in, if you can be stable in these times, um, I, I do think growing organically is is a massive, massive plus of, of any organization so well done on what you've achieved so far so typically then what's your if there is a typical what's your like a pupil profile of someone who might come and attend uh, one of your provisions yeah it's um uh, i was chatting to someone last night about this is when we moved into the um the sets to work more when we when we started developing the special educational needs program and the more bespoke packages for individuals we're actually seeing that the profile of the young people didn't vary much between those that we educate in alternate provision and those that we have that come into this specialist bespoke program. The profile wasn't that different. What the people in the uh, what the young people in the specialist provision were finding was that they'd had the support network in the school, in primary school, in high school, parents. That support network had gotten to a position where they'd achieved the EHCP and they they were then getting the the right funding and the right support. The profile was, you could literally lift, and I say this to the other people, you could literally take some of the names off these plans that have taken you know, a long time to come about, but you could literally take the name off and apply them to different pupils within our school, whether they're in alternative provision or special education needs department. Um, and unfortunately, we just see a lot of young people that haven't had their needs met. Um, and it, it sometimes feels like they're getting towards um the end of year 10 year 11 and then it's almost like well, we've come you know an approach from 
our stakeholders involved in that young person's education is where we've come to a point now where we're near the end of compulsory education age. Let's, let's just try and get them through. And, and unfortunately, that's when it really starts to fall apart um, from, from what I've seen in my experience is year nine, 10 and 11 are really key years. And obviously the business end of the, of the accredited qualifications as well. So it's a key time um, for us to get them and, consolidate what we can and get them some GCSEs and, and plan a pathway for them post-16 um, and try and support them into that and uh, working with local colleges to make sure that transition happens because it doesn't just peter off a lot of the time young people will cross the threshold into a, into a, a sixth form or, or an, an FE institution and two or three weeks in they don't have the support that they had within our, our setting. Um, or it's a bit overwhelming for them, or they don't feel the confidence. So it's uh, it's important that we carry on. Often post funding for us as well is that we just carry on and make sure that they settle off, uh, settle in, sorry, into uh, further education or wherever they go. But some of your learners, then, would you you sort of essentially support them past the fact, past their last day within you, essentially into into a new setting, i.e., a college, then? So yeah, nice. absolutely. We see that as part of our it's part of our responsibility to those young people. And quite often, some of them are on our role, so we're, we're obliged to follow up on where they're going and support them with it. Some of them aren't fully on our role. They'll come on to us as um, dual role and, and we'll be the subsidiary school within that relationship. But So it's back to the school that sent them to us as an alternate provider for them to track and monitor post-16 activity. Um, but we, it's out. It's part of our package. It's part of what we sell to schools as well. This is what you'll get from us. So let us keep a track on young people over the summer holidays when they've left us. Let us make sure that they get into um, into schools in into colleges. Sorry, in the September and stay there in the October. And there's been some funding recently from Department for Education, the Alternative Provision uh, Transition Fund, it may be called. Um, something along those lines which has also enabled us to do that so we've been able to fund part-time roles for people to actually go about and support young people and making sure and that could be giving them a lift in once they've signed and enrolled into a college speaking with parents about things that parents are finding difficult to motivate young people to um, continue with education post 16 so that was a really useful bit of funding um, which has been in the last two years and hopefully it's around that's around to stay just because smaller settings like ourselves don't necessarily have the 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 human resource available to be supporting although we do try our best to do it with that extra funding it's, it's been really beneficial it's a it's a massive piece of work isn't it because i've um I, I would imagine at times you know there's so much like whenever a child moves from primary to secondary or secondary to fe fe to university whatever it might be i, I would imagine a lot of the time there is that what the day you leave somewhere you finish and then you go on somewhere else and there's no and when you're working with people who let's face it like it so much of it is about building relationships when you've worked so hard to build those relationships to then just stop it and go on to another setting you could set a person back so much couldn't you I guess so yeah I'd imagine that's a, a massive massive piece of work and like I say hopefully the funding funding continues yeah it's really it's really useful because um not not long before they go into college in some instances or, or apprenticeships or whatever it might be the destination is we've seen them uh, often transition into our setting so we're kind of aware of their behaviors and what works well what doesn't work well during that transition 
for for a young person so we can't almost feed that back to colleges as well and and if we can't you know necessarily communicate directly with colleges because that's not always possible it's just equipping the young people to go remember you did this you came to us you transitioned into us in year 10 and look how well you've done and and giving them that confidence where you can do that again but actually you're going to go and do this now with specifically around um a curriculum and, and career choices that you want to that you want to pursue so it's um sometimes it's useful for us to have seen that transition within the last couple of years into our our school yeah definitely something uh, else i just wanted to ask you over the last uh like couple of years have you noticed from like the sort of um referrals you get for young people to come to your provision is there things that you're really noticing as a an effect of covid is it has it have have things changed is there like profiles on people is there like one thing we seem to be coming across a lot is a lot of anxiety and a lot of that's building up around the last 18 months is that something you've noticed particularly yeah i think um you you, you took my first answer there really david from it is the anxiety and the social anxiety our young people you know they come from different schools and different areas geographically um and what that brings to them when they come into us, when they're referred into us, they're almost losing that support network of familiarity and friendships that they had in their schools originally. So they're coming into a group of new people from different areas, and often there's association um, with new areas for young people. You know, particularly South Manchester, you see some gang, um, some gangs there that actually young people we can't have in the same building because of of that gang affiliation. So those are things that we've got to consider. When you've got a break from, uh, young, when young people have had this break from all kinds of participation in education and mixing with different people, and then they get, so they've, they've been off for a period of time, and then they get referred into a new school, they really can see that they've kind of fallen behind. They may, their chronological age may have moved on, but social ages haven't moved on with them because they've been out of those settings. So it's really important for us to remember the prince the basics and the principles that we got involved with this for it's like yes the academic stuff absolutely matters but we've got a lot of socialization and those kind of softer skills that we need to work on at this moment in time and then anxiety is right there on in that conversation as well for young people it's always been there um but it's certainly it's certainly more prevalent and also we find in concentration of young people is is very different as well. The concentration periods of young people is very different. We're having to almost have a break within a lesson um, to kind of let pupils digest what the what they're supposed to be learning, have a bit of a break, get them up and moving, and then get them back onto learning again. Um, and that's something that we may have tried anyway, but certainly um, we've seen concentration of young people and restlessness of young people coming back into setting after a period of time. Got that concentration thing. I um, I listen to listen to quite a lot of podcasts when I'm walking my dog, and I listened to a podcast the other day, and it was, um, I think it was a Stephen Bartlett podcast, and he had a guy on, and he'd done some studies around like people's concentration, like and how it's deteriorating in time, whether you're a young person or, or an adult, and it was like the studies around it were like alarming and so much mm. of that was um down to how people are living and how people are living i.e like on mobile phones and social media and then people aren't living in like um 
in kind of the moment they're living in mm. kind of a world that isn't really there it was, oh, it was so interesting but it just just jogged my memory when you mentioned the concentration thing and um yeah i guess that that kind of the last 18 months tied in with anything that pupils who attend your provision might be going through as well is a a kind of an extra thing really isn't it so yeah what's your um I know you mentioned, so we've spoken about Ed Start Specialist Education. I know you said you recently, recently, more recently started uh, Next Level Learning. So how does that kind of tie in with, with what you guys do? So Next Level Learning was 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 born out of the demand for a bait that was coming Ed Start's way. Um, we would regularly get phone calls from schools, from local authorities, from the same referring agencies that we work with in the school, but they would say, Oh, it's, you know, we know you've got the staff and you've got these systems that work. Could you send someone out to our, um, to someone's home, to a care home, um, to support them because they won't leave the house or um, they've got extra needs that don't enable them to leave the house um, or they won't come to school for for X Y Z reasons. So it was almost a case of, and I think we've done this pretty 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 well in the school. Really, is not to try and do everything. Um, we had a very kind of uh, rigid idea of what we wanted to do and do it well, which was always provide an academic curriculum to young people in alternate provision and high standards of, of uh, teaching and learning. That was always our the, the, the basic, and we wanted to do it really well. Not then have almost like um, a service on wheels, a mobile service. We didn't want that. That wasn't part of it, but it was, um, it was you know, without going into too much detail, I met my wife through... Um, Ed Start, she was our first teacher, first uh, teachers to come into the business. So um, I was trying not to get into that story, but I thought yeah. <laughs> I can't avoid it really. <laughs> I can't avoid it because it's so important to the inception of next level learning. And then when we when she went off to have um, one of our daughters, it was just a case of saying, listen, I think it's um, to work around the family and to work around those new commitments that we had as a family. Um, why, and she was very good working with the young people, Kelly. Um, give her a, a, I might as well name her as soon as I'm talking about her so much. She'll listen to this and go, You didn't even <laughs> tell them my name, so I better, better say it. So, we um, said, Listen, if you do, if you work this, we can probably build a service next to Ed Start that supports both Ed Start and, and you can, can make this into a, into a tuition company, hopefully. So, um, with our reputation and Kelly's reputation as well with schools. She, she taught and worked with schools and knew some of them. She was able to build um, a, a client base of schools and they were sending young people, young people to her and she could fit in around her time. Um, and then within two, three weeks, there was a need to take on another tutor and then another tutor, another tutor where it grew to 20 odd tutors now that work for next level learning. So, that's um that's a baby now that work our little baby now that works along its big sister um Ed Start and and does come in and and offers specialist English and maths and science tuition to young people who've got those bespoke packages can offer supply and cover in, in emergencies which is as um as everyone in education knows well not just education a lot of industries there's a lot of people isolating and, and need for cover at this moment in time so it's been it's it, they've both benefited from each other, the two companies, and potential for next level learning to follow some really successful models locally and nationally for around franchising, um, which will probably be the next move for that. 
the, the only thing that we want from that is that the quality and consistency isn't let down by moving into an area and managed by someone that we don't necessarily, uh, yes, we can do a lot of due diligence and background checks and things, but really some people need to have that same drive for quality and standards. And that's the one thing that stopped us rolling that out into other areas under other management structures. I like that, that, that whole kind of side of what, what you do, I suppose there is bits of what we do that are very similar and, like uh, there's so many people at the minute that think that because of the the staff absences, like agencies must be flying and this and that, whether you're a tuition company or a recruitment agency in education, like if you've got, and from what you said, you know, we really like pride ourselves on putting good people into schools. And I'm happy to say that on here because I stand by it and we will continue to do that. It, it's so, it's, it, it, it should be a fantastic period because there's so many opportunities, but if you've got those high standards, you know, there's even less people now than there was two years ago in education. And there was a, a shortage before COVID. So now like that, that shortage is even, even higher. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it can be so frustrating at times, can't you? Cause you want like naturally, I guess how you are as, as a person, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, getting here you want to try and help every young person that you get referred to but if you you can't find the quality staff you just can't can you but um it's 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 really tough isn't it to find um to find good quality people that can make a real positive impact on the type of learners that you get referred to and yeah I do I bang my head against my desk sometimes because you just want to be able to wave a magic wand don't you and find all those people because the the demand is there and it's it's getting even more so isn't it yeah it really is and it's um the demand is there and 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 the absolute contrary is that the fact that you can't get the staff to come and do it and and that's not that you can find the staff as you just mentioned there but it's finding the staff who will uphold your standards really and and this is where um i'm not sure if i'm allowed to plug our new service which is um the recruitment um moxie is due to launch so there's no website just yet as we speak on today at this time um, so you won't find it, but as we launch Moxie, um, the aim of that is to very much get a, a stream of, of really decent skilled staff into special educational needs by, by partnering with Ed Start schools, training people up, giving them a mentor, putting them through some um, statutory qualifications or accreditations, I should say. Um, and then industry qualifications as well, whilst they're partnering with the school and then they become part of the uh, recruitment company, and then go into the wider sector, uh, the, the you know the, the wider audience of local schools rather than just our own, um, and that was completely born out of not being able to find. And this is no disrespect to any of the people that have been into Ed Start schools or any of the recruitment and supply agencies we've worked with. But when we were getting told a lot of the time that people were skilled and experienced, they certainly weren't skilled in education even though they may have had some experience. And I think it's really key for us to, to not just sit back and say, oh, well, we've, the staff aren't there and we've been supplied this person and they're not good enough and the sector's no good. I don't just want to sit back and say that. We want to do something about it. And with this, this training programme and the supply agency that we're really hoping to have an impact, certainly locally, on, on the skills and the standards that are in special educational needs. Yeah, I think there's... Um... You know, the, the interesting thing is we, 
but certainly noticed the um we've we've we at the start of covid we certainly noticed a lot more interest from mainstream staff that i think you know i think a lot of people got a taste of teaching smaller classes having a bit more involvement with families maybe because of what was going on with covid and actually a lot of people who had had reservations on on special ed and alternative mm. provision suddenly kind of thought actually I'm, I'm quite intrigued by this as a as a bit of a career move um so i i you know i'm always going to be pro special ed and ap because it's it's what we do and it's what i'm passionate about but i do think there's a real interest from mainstream staff um currently and it's it's a great sector isn't it like for anyone anyone listening whether you're in manchester or or wherever you know it's a it's it's a it's a great sector and the difference people can make to young people is phenomenal isn't it but yeah, also- it, yeah it, it really is yeah and um sorry i felt like i cut you off david uh, apologies That's right. um we spoke to i spoke to someone last night who'd applied for a teacher's position and um actually came with some real niche combination of experience and qualifications of um modern foreign languages, speech and language, some sports background, and um, and done general teacher stuff as well, which often in alternate provision, they need to be able to do almost like a primary school teacher, have some knowledge in all different areas, because sometimes you'll be, you'll be working with a young person uh, and teaching them things that aren't necessarily your specialism. So I had a chat with her last night, and she'd been in mainstream education. And the one thing I said to her, if she hears, she may hear this, I might point her in the direction of it. So uh, so she can hear that we spoke about and the impact she made on me last night was that she actually felt there was more of a personal touch working in a smaller setting and that you could work with family. You could really have an impact on not just the young person, the family around that young person and see some real changes and have some real successes and quick wins. And where... Um, and, and, you know, talking about my role as a, as a the governor in a mainstream school as well, but I think where in mainstream, the, pro, the, the idea is that young people come and they sit and they behave and they do everything they've got to do and then they move on to further education, in some instances, apprenticeships or universities. Those aren't the plans for our young people. They're really not. They need, we need to open their eyes and, and engage with them to make sure they have more aspiration than, the, than they've seen around them and more ambitions than they've, they've currently got. And then that there, once once we can tap into that, is a, is a success and is a win. And it's something that wasn't necessarily a given. And I think some people really like that, including the lady who I spoke to last night. So she, seeing that shift more and more, as you say, from mainstream education and secondary high schools and pr- even primary schools, because I think primary school teachers have a great understanding of our setting and particularly smaller alternative provisions when we were younger uh in, in more in our infancy and we couldn't we couldn't really finance subjects specialists in maths in english and in, in all those subjects it really that that primary school teacher person worked really well because they knew they had to come in one day and do a bit of english and they knew they had to do a bit of maths after that and then some science after that so having that mix of skill sets and, and that flexibility really works in, in, in our setting for prim, primary school teachers. And, you know, we'll, we'll often get applications through and I'm always keen to speak to them about it. And, and also, unfortunately for some of the young people, the gaps in their learning or the, the unidentified needs. 
some of the primary school teachers have strategies and interventions that work really well with secondary school pupils who've not had those seen to or, or work with and, and those gaps um, identified. I definitely agree. And I think most of, if I look at um, our teachers who do tuition, they're generally, most of them are from primary, primary backgrounds. Um, but yeah, Cool. Yeah, all the, all the, like, and all that, all those three things, I suppose, that you've got going in can all kind of really support each other, which is, which is, which is great. The kind of Ed Start specialist next level and the, um, the kind of agency that's coming up. Yeah. You know, they, they can all really support each other. So, like, as a, um, if, if there is, like, I know you said you've grown really organically. So, it, like, in your, in your head, without putting you on the spot, is there like a, a plan, a vision for where you want to take things? Is there an ultimate goal, I suppose? Definitely. Um, there's been, over the over the years, we've developed very much an idea of um, off-the-shelf managers don't necessarily work within our successful model. Um, they can work, don't get me wrong, but I've found the, the better version is, is is of developing managers is doing it from within, so developing those characters rather than what they've got on the cv when they're working with he's developing those characters those leaders into leadership roles within within our site and actually for us to grow those people need to stay with us and coach other people and, and teach them how to be leaders within our culture and within our organization and a lot of it comes down to um the systems that were born out because we started small with one site a lot of those systems were duplicated over time and over time, but they remain. And when people have come in and said, well, I like that, but let's do it this way. Or I like that, but we, in my last place, we always did it this way. So I always question that. And I always try and stop people there and say, yeah, but our way works. Our way works. Look at our growth, look at our success with schools, look at our relationships with local authorities. These are the things they like. So rather than trying to change these things, work with them. And, and then build on those things. And, and quite often that can be, and this isn't a, by a criticism of those people, that can be frustrating to some people who think, all right, I'm gonna come in, I've got some fresh ideas. And I guess you can criticize me really and say, well, I'm not open to new ideas, I absolutely am. But when I see a system that's working, I won't try and, I won't try and, and fix it if it's not broken. Um, so Bill, the, the key thing is having characters to carry on duplicating the models, the systems, the processes that we've built up over this time. And then allowing me, and then giving them further leadership responsibility, whether that's um, whether that's actually working in the centers in the same role, or whether that's them taking on perhaps business opportunities with us to grow further, because the management structure that we've got in place at the moment is probably at the brink. And what we're now looking to do is look at ways of developing um, our leaders into future kind of Ed Start business owners, really, that can go and take the brand and, and the service and the quality offer elsewhere around the, the region, certainly, and then, and then nationally. And then with that, do they get some responsibility for um, a franchise opportunity of next level learning and then build those services next to each other when they move into new areas? So, um, yeah, that's the vision. And we're, and we're kind of working on that with our next centre, um, which will be in, in the Wigan area of Greater Manchester. Um, we've, we've 
taken someone who will almost become effectively a business partner and they will run an head start school in, in that area and let's try try and pilot this model of um of partnering up with people so that they've got that investment in the school and in the organization and they can be left and trusted because of that investment to go and grow it with quality brilliant uh, which i think sounds sounds amazing and i think that probably well hope, hopefully if there's people that listen to this that are that are interested in that what's the what's the best way for people to contact you if anyone is interested linkedin in is, is always yeah. useful yeah linkedin is always useful and i think because i you gave me a call maybe my number's on my linkedin as well so i was happy to have conversations with people at all levels anyone who wants to get into the sector and for me we, we just struck a partnership up with um rugby league cares that helps support players coming out of the game um, and looking at other career options. And one of the things we've said to them is you might have questions and curiosities about education or even more specifically special educational needs and, and, and what we specifically work with. And that curiosity might be that you come in and they'll speak to me and be like, Do you know what, that isn't for me. And in some, you know, for me, that's also making sure that we don't get people coming in here just for a paycheck as well, that they're actually coming in here with the right passion to do things the right way for young people. It's not just coming in to get paid. So that's as important to me. If if we can put the wrong people off, that's, you know, that, that that's as good as kind of getting the right people in, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Makes complete sense. Well, James, it's been absolutely great, great chatting to you. Um, so another person that I've, I've chatted to that I kind of wish was closer because I'd love to come and have a, a visit and a little little look at what you guys do in person. But absolutely, been great, been great chatting to you. Um, wish you all the best. Wish you all the best for all three of the kind of businesses. Um, yes, thanks for coming on and all the best for for twenty twenty two. Thank you. Cheers, David. It's been great. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, James. <laughs>